Robots Radio presents... Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps, and for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on February 5th, 2021, over on twitch.tv slash Chat. as we continue our discussion over the lore book, Your Friend Micah Abram. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 this is the most blueberry to ever have blueberried. Hey, it's Orchid. <laughs> and last, but definitely not least, in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have Elemist. Elemist, how are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, if if you're listening to the podcast and you, you weren't present for the live stream, I really encourage you to go to the YouTube channel and look up the, the archive video, which will explain why, first off, there's like an hour and a half difference in the episodes <laughs> recording, but there's a very long and convoluted <laughs> rabbit hole that it's exploring the blueberryness of of certain individuals who shall not be named. It's hey, it's orchid. The sabotage. <laughs> hey, it's orchid. Iris hey, just texted orchid. me a picture of blueberries and then orchid question mark. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> wow. You even coming into my DMs. We vetted orchid for presidency and interesting things happened. <laughs> The sad thing so is, anyways, this all started with me making a pun. Oh uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, yes, <laughs> we were joking, and it came to light that certain hidden menus had not been discovered. But um, guys, the, the me- long and short of it is that I don't know how to play Destiny, and it's four days until the end of the season, and um, <laughs> it's okay. You so. just don't sleep, drink a lot of tea, and you'll be fine. I don't know how to play the game. Because I only play PvP, so <laughs> trial. That's why. Carries, that's why you're, I can do that. Uh, your perspective is important because it comes from a different side of the the experience. Apparently, sabotage things. I didn't know that was in the game. <laughs> <laughs> or aspects. So there's or an. In, there's an t- I didn't know those were different. <laughs> so hey. This is pretty awesome. So Orchid's Otter Stop. Yeah. The one job she has. I don't... Can, can I even do that? Am I even qualified for this anymore? Should I just hang up my otter yes. outfit? <laughs> if you could be so kind as to visit us at thelorenetwork.com, where you can find us alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're apparently there. We've really gone downhill since Green left. Uh Please let us know your thoughts on the weekly lore roundups, both for podcasts and for YouTube. 
content. Um, also, please leave us a review over on iTunes. Please be kind. Five-star reviews really help other people to find the podcast. Let your friends know that this is a thing. And then they can listen. And I would appreciate that very much. Thank you. Real quick, just to recap on, on last last episode. Uh, so yeah, uh, as Orchid mentioned, Green has stepped back from co-hosting and she is taking on a more production slash editorial role. So she will still be involved, but she's going to be helping focus like the layout and the production side. So basically the reason why we sound good is because of everything she's doing. Other than that, we talked about really just like the overall summary of the book. We talked about the different characters, obviously, that were involved. We talked a little bit about tensions that were existing in the Eventide area, specifically around like Cade and his interactions with Micah, the the travesty of the exo-penguins. We also mentioned Micah's, what's referred to as gender dysphoria, which is where Micah is the first confirmed character in the, in the lore of Destiny to be a male who transitions into a female. He was a male human who became a female exo. And Micah Abram is also Micah 10, who is the guardian who is referred to as the dead mother of ghosts. However, in this session, what I wanted to do is Orchid had mentioned in the intro session that she was really interested in the dream aspect that is mentioned in this lore book. And then I also wanted to get Elemis' thoughts on Hector's fate, I guess, would be the best way to kind of talk about that. So real quick, before we jump into that, we'll take a real quick break, come back and Orchid, I'll just hand, I'll just hand it over to you, Orchid. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons & Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. So, Orchid, dreams, why are they important? So dreams are important in the Destiny universe because they've used this vehicle as a way to connect people to the Traveler because dreams are unique in the way that that is how the Traveler kind of speaks to people. Because the Traveler doesn't speak, Traveler doesn't have a mouth, Traveler is just a big golf ball in the sky. So the only way the Traveler is able to convey any sort of information or emotion or anything is through dreams, really. And so the fact that Micah is having dreams kind of connected to the Traveler is special. They don't really have that, especially later when the Traveler goes dormant. There really aren't any dreams per se, correct? Yeah, that's, I think that would is be that a correct accurate? way of saying that. Okay. Yeah. We've seen that every speaker has had dreams in a certain way or visions. They come at, you know, inopportune times. These are actually dreams themselves. So we don't know if it's a message. This one happens to be the same dream over and over again. So actually in letter seven, it actually describes the dream really well. I still haven't figured out the message, and I've been having it every single night. It always starts the same. I'm an exo, standing in the middle of a frozen lake under a black sky and a white moon. 
For some reason, I start jumping up and down over and over. Each time, I go a little higher and land a little harder. Sometimes I worry the ice might break, but then I hear a whisper saying I'll be okay even if it does. I won't let you die before the interesting part. As I jump, the whisper goes higher, higher. Or maybe it says closer, closer. Maybe it's both. Last night I went so high I almost left the atmosphere. From there I could see the moon was you, hovering above Io. I reached up to break away from gravity, and I fly to you. And then Micah wakes up because he's woken up by his father's having an argument. We actually find out in the very last entry, I believe, the whisper that the dreams have actually stopped at the very end because the his dad that's been working with Clovis Bray has been missing more and more of his life. And but now I haven't seen him for a whole week and my stomach won't stop hurting. What has stopped is the dream. So now that he's been having the dream, now the dream's gone, this jumping dream that he's been having. So that's significant in the fact that the dream has now ceased. So has the dream been solved? We don't know. Two nights ago, I finally broke away from Europa's gravity. As I floated to you, the whisper followed, Are you sure you know what you think you know? I woke up before I got close to you, and last night I didn't dream at all, which must mean I figured out the message. But all I have are these words stuck in my head. Are you sure you know what you think you know? So having dreams like this, we have different characters that have dreams. Like we've had the speakers, we've now had Micah, and Crow have had the Hawk Moon dreams. Like we've actually had weird kind of light dreams in a way, or visions. And I mean, even Ikora has had traveler visions. So I mean, different characters have had different kind of visions or light visions or dreams in a certain way. So it's unique also in the fact that Micah 10 that we know later on is the dead mother of ghosts with ghosts and dreams. Is it speaker material? We don't know. Yes. That's why the dream to me is significant. You're getting closer and closer, higher and higher. You get these this information. Do you know what you think you know? And then nothing. Though I do also like the the comment that we get from Hector about dreams or messages from deep inside your mind until you figure out the message the dream will repeat where he's talking to he was talking to Micah about like like the dreams repeating and stuff like that. It's also interesting because Hector is that psychologist. He is he's you know he's very much in tune with studies about dream analysis and stuff like that. And that's actually where we get I mentioned this in the intro session, but that's actually where we get the connection between Micah Abram and Micah 10 within Legacies Oath Greaves, because this kind of is the fuel that Micah 10 has that is pushing her to find the Deepstone Crypt. I don't think it's ever a dream in the Greaves, but she has like this drive to find the crypt, and it's one of these things that like she's just constantly getting pushed towards. But I do find, and I know Chat's talking about it right now, the connection potentially with the Red War Dream cutscene that our Guardian experienced was also an interesting kind of connection there, too. 
Yeah, because in the Legacies of Greaves, she's she is talking about the dream of the golden golden field uh, beneath the Black Tower. When she actually makes it to the tower, it's supposedly from from the inference here, it's Hector that's sitting on the armchair that says, "Dreams are messages from deep inside your mind. Until you figure out the message, the dream will repeat." And then she wakes up and feels something tugging her towards space. So that was that was the connection there. But and Orchid, I don't know. Do you think that this is? Do you think that Micah was actually a speaker? Um. Or do you think that this is a kid who's in a really tough spot, having dreams about something else? I don't, I see, we know with constellations, we know a little bit more about speakers, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I don't know if, I know when they say that, like, they always look for new speakers by seeing, like, our ghosts following children around, and, um, like, that's kind of the mark of finding a new speaker, and are people having weird dreams, and, but... Back then, there weren't ghosts yet. During yeah, correct. During the golden age, there weren't ghosts, so they were really they relied on the communication of dreams, basically. So I, you know, I don't know because if like a part of me wants to say yes, and a part of me wants to say no, because I think right. a part of it could be that this kid is in a really tough spot because you know one parent is really stressed and working all the time. Like, Micah obviously misses being on Mars and is kind of replacing the parents' love with all these freaking penguins that, like, he's rescuing from school because, you know, Clovis Bray doesn't know how to replace love with anything else but penguins, (laughs) which is weird. Vex penguins. Elemis. Exo penguins. (laughs) Exo penguins, I'm telling you. It's... No. Yeah. Trial by error. That's how it, that's how every scientific progress is done. Yep. Like I accept it. <laughs> but no. I saw the busted penguins just all go to the kids and for safekeeping. They have DER too, so they have to be fed like penguins and oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to love you here, have a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except except the penguins are from Clovis, not the parrots. Like to be fair. Like, well, I mean, Clovis doesn't know how to love people either. So here, have a penguin. oh you, no, a hundred a hundred percent. Yes, that's, you are a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> that is yeah. that is a great accurate statement. But Clovis doesn't know how to love anybody but himself. No. Even then, I'd argue I don't know if he even knows how to do that. Like right. Viru has a good point, too, is given the proximity to the darkness and Europa, could it be the dreams of the speakers are maybe from the darkness and not the traveler? I mean, it could be. I can see that argument there, right? Because they're both paracausal entities. Why does it have to be one or the other? Why couldn't it be both? You know? Yeah. I mean, the traveler is, a, is as far as we understand it, a paracausal entity. Clarity is a paracausal entity. It could be the situation where they are communicating. It's a competition of communication, I guess. Oh, yes. And Black Flag is also pointing out back in D1, we did have the Ghost Fragment Legends card, 
which is when we first learned about the dream of the Dark Tower or the Black Tower. Um, it's possible that this is a card that is from Micah's perspective. That being said, I will also put in the counter argument that this that Saint 14 references this dream. Um, and I think Cade reference. I know there's another exo that references this dream. I can't remember if it was Cade or if it was an unnamed exo. But there's been a couple different exos that have mentioned the dream. Um, but yes, Micah, Micah and Saint are the ones that come to mind immediately. Saint has the vision of a woman saying something about how they're not like their father. And then Micah has the vision, has the dream with the two men who step out. One, one meets her in the field and then the other is sitting inside the tower. Mm -hmm. It's another dream that that's very important in the destiny story. Right. Is the, the, the dream of the, the golden field or the black, the black plain of golden millet. Mm hmm. And you said that there were two men in that that dream, right? Yes, in Micah's dream, there's there's the one where that is referred to on Legacy's Oath Greaves. She's dreamt of it thousands of times, fought thousands of battles on the golden field beneath the Black Tower, and every fiftieth instance, in the midst of the chaos, an older man puts a paternal hand on her shoulder and says, "You just need to get acclimated. It's colder here than on Mars." Every hundredth time, she makes it to the tower and finds a different man sitting in an armchair writing on a notepad. Dreams are messages from deep inside your mind, he reminds her. Until you figure out the message, the dream will repeat. And then it goes on. Every single time, no matter whom she sees or what she hears, Micah 10 wakes up feeling something in her tug towards space. I'm wondering if the, if the two men are both her fathers. Yeah, I think that's kind of how I was... Yeah. I think the first one is, is it Papa? Is the quantum? Papa is the quantum engineer, is the one that meets her out in the field because Papa was the one that got her and Hector to come to Europa. And he's the one that had the beard that made the comment about Hector will grow one when he figures out how warm it will be. And then Hector is the reason I think it's Hector inside the tower is because he's sitting in an armchair writing on a notepad talking about dreams. Like it's like that's a very stereotypical psycho psychologist psychologist psychoanalyst. Yeah. Oh, Veru, that that's dangerous. So Veru is saying in chat, what if the dream with the field of golden millet and the tower was just one of the speaker dreams that got unintentionally mass produced through the exo processing? Ooh, that goes into the debate of like how the memory banks are created for the exos and if there's any potential for bleed through, which I mean, from a data standpoint, there's always that potential. But yeah, oh, man, which would also go in line with the idea, I think, that we were talking about in the first episode but that would go back to the idea of Clovis's hallucination of Maya being another thing that gets fit into it, which would explain Kate's fascination with Maya. And then Veru just made a point. So Clovis is raising a personal army of speakers, whether it's willingly or unwillingly. These consequences of dispersing this mental profile, I guess, would be the best way of saying it. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's... Let's say you digitize a human brain. Is that 
the same as digitizing a human mind. Like there's the this endless debate of is the mind just the brain or is it the context of like, you know, the entirety of the human person? Given how the the digitization process of the exo oh gosh, man, that's that's a rabbit hole that my head is gonna go down now. Thank you, Veru, for putting me down another <laughs> rabbit hole. That's uh well, and actually talking about weird braid tech things, I think I'll I'll use that as kind of a jumping point, you know, kind of go into this idea of like Hector as an exo. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is we mentioned Hector is the one who basically reports Clovis Bray, or he's one of the ones. But we actually have a copy of the report from Hector, the last flight home. <clears throat> which I, I need to go back and I want to go back and try to figure out there's a lot of redacted parts of it. And I'm curious if I can figure out who, which redacted thing is talking about. He finally has enough basically of all this nonsense that Clovis is doing. And it comes to a head with a test unit C21, which is where he, he hears about and then walks in on Clovis testing stasis out on an exo but he's like puppet mastering the exo and this like really weird thing and that kind of seems to be the final straw that pushes hector to the point where either he tries to run or he at least sends a report and then the next thing that we hear from hector is as hector six which is an exo (laughs) I'm yeah. Like, I'm like, well, that's convenient because one of the things that exos do is they don't really remember their past. Like so I was wondering, Elmist, if you had any thoughts on like is is that like Clovis covering up a whistleblower or <laughs> is that like what oh, is Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Just add it to the entire pile oh, yeah, of, of human rights violations. It's so sus. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, in the scope of everything else that Clovis has done, that we know he has done. This is like the least worst yeah, of his crimes. It's like, this is, this is nothing. Yeah. No, like this, th- th- like there's no question about it. I mean, this is Clovis just, taking matters into his own hands i mean so like i I guess so where because as far as i remember from this book hector is still human at the end right like he's like micah is i think at the very end micah's last thing is basically he's going to sneak off because was it heck i can't remember which which one which one of his parents was basically it was like we had enough was it Hector? I believe it was Hector. Yeah, because that was the whole dream of, are you sure you know what you think you know? And like, that's why I was asking Orchid, that's why I was asking, do you think it's a communication from the Traveler or the or Clarity or whoever? Or is it, do you think he's like internalizing a lot of this nonsense that he's hearing between his two parents fighting because I also kind of, the way I was reading this is I read Hector as being the person, he, he's spending more time at work because he's basically building a case against Clovis. 
That's how I was reading it. Like he's he's getting all this information and he's like basically prepping this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, I think dad, air quote, is the one that's leaving. I think it is. I think it's the I think it's I think it's towards the end. Yes. It's letter eight. Letter eight. Yeah. He said some colonists were going home with the next supply ship and he hoped Papa would join us. So, yeah, Hector is the one that's getting ready to to leave. Basically, as I, I kind of took is like this is when he was getting the report ready to send. To, to kind of sneak out, basically. Yeah, that's how I'm seeing it is Hector is suffering through working alongside Clovis, you know, and just gathering all the kinds of different evidence in order to actually try and do something to Clovis. And then the next thing we see is Hector six. If he saw all the evil that Clovis was doing, he wouldn't offer himself as an, you know, an exo. Right. Well, especially because all the evil stuff that he's doing is, two exos right so that leads me to believe that it was forced upon him and i get like depending on how dark you wanted this headcanon to go the argument that the two have depending on how much of a cult this is it's like did did his partner turn him in oh that's that's really good Hector, first off, Hector is called out as being one of Clovis Bray's closest confidants, which makes me think that he is also probably basically one of Clovis's counselors. Like he is basically the person that Clovis kind of unloads and vents to is kind of what I kind of took as. But then the in letter eight, the argument between Hector and his husband is... Hector is saying, if Clovis wants stable and functioning soldiers, he shouldn't put them through so much trauma. He's basically arguing, if you want me to look at these people as human, if you want me to treat an exo as a human, then what happens is they have rights. Like, you know, that's if they are human, they are human. They're not tools. There's not a um, sliding scale on this. Like, it's either you have human rights or you don't have human rights. But then his husband responds with skip the ethics lecture and tell me if you knew humanity would be wiped out in 50 years wouldn't you try anything to save us to save our child and then he goes on he says papa says this der stuff is hard but i think the humanisms you suggested are the solution in fact i bet my life on it and then hector responds with you know i love you but forget about being safe in 50 years micah needs to be safe here and now he might have told, you know, it was one of those innocent things of like, hey, Hector's trying to leave. And then Clovis, being the megalomaniac paranoia person that he is, was like, nope, <laughs> like, you don't get to leave. Well, and even then, like, I don't think that Micah's, you know, Papa would have actually reported directly to Clovis. Right. I think it's I more yeah. of like... He was just talking to a coworker about a fight that that the two of them had, and then it went up the chain, or Clovis happened to overhear it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I see it as completely yeah. not a malevolent 
No. I don't see it as malevolent from his sins, but I do see the catalyst for Hector's conversion, if you will, being something from this guy, which given the whole scope of like the trauma that is going on with the Bray storyline would actually fit in quite well. <laughs> it would, yeah. It would fit in with the overarching theme very well. Um, yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go read the dark future. <laughs> Anna and Elsie have, have a, they have a bit of trauma that they oh need to God. work. They need, they need to work through some, they need to let go of some things. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. There is there is no Olaf in that story. Um, or, well, maybe there is. Maybe Zavala is Olaf. <laughs> no, it's Cade. No, because Cade's not there. Olaf, he's got he's got the, the stick. Because he's got a cane. Oh. <laughs> oh, red is Olaf. Okay, that's fair. Do you want to build a war mind? That's, that's an acceptable. That's an acceptable thing. <laughs> Do you want to build a war mind? There, there you go. Every single time you say Olaf, I immediately think of the snowman from Frozen. Every single time. It does yeah, not matter. That's, that's who I was. Yeah. 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 It's Olaf. Because it's Anna and Elsie. That was the point. Anna and Elsie, they need to build a war mind. Mm-hmm. Irish says it doesn't have to be a war mind. It doesn't have to be a war mind. Do you want to, do you want to bury some bodies? Do you want? Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> have you heard? Have you heard that that version of the song? Yep, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was curious to hear your guys' thoughts on on Hector. It's one of those things that's been bugging me. It's okay. like, okay, so Hector is here, and then Hector, like he he has the issue within Icefall Mantle, which is basically him walking in on C twenty one. Stasis experience. As far as I can tell, basically the next thing is Last Flight Home, which is the report. Now, to be fair, it's on the ship, but we never get confirmation that Hector was ever on a ship. Like, So we don't know that Hector actually ever got off the planet. And the reason why I, I emphasize that is because the next thing that we hear from Hector is in Legacy's Lament when we get Hector 6. And the only reason that is... Like the only reason I kind of connect that Hector with this Hector Abram is because when you find the exo that is connected to Hector Six's entry, it specifically calls out the fact that he has a son. Do you want to become a Luca? And referring to the actual ship, like, we don't even know if that letter actually made its Correct. way off world. Which, I'm really sad, but yeah, we don't we don't know. Like, for all we know, Hector could have done something stupid and wrote it on a company laptop. <laughs> oh, That's, well, and, or, or not even written it on an electronics. Like, it could have been a, a physical yeah. document. Because it doesn't have a header on it. Especially relating it back to Micah's dream. Mm-hmm. Like, he's actually writing oh, on a tablet. He's actually right. Like, that's what he's... Oh, I didn't even connect. Yeah. So, like, this could have been would be an actual, more like... traumatic. Like, Micah was present when they, when they took him. Oh. 
See, this is this is the rabbit hole of how dark of a of a theory do we want to go into this thing? Like how traumatic. Oh. We just turned a happy little book into like I mean, to be fair, it's not super happy. <laughs> let's let's be no, fair there, but, but like It's happier than I thought. This is there there's potential for this book to lead into something very dark. Like it was happier than than I. <laughs> oh, I like that the high point of these two episodes is the concept of exo penguins, and that was where that was no. where it started. That's where it started going downhill. That's just a theory, a destiny theory. No. Oh man, that's. I mean, I didn't even think about that too. That that's a good connection. Is the. Hector sitting in the tower writing on the tablet is could be potentially him writing the letter that's in Last Flight Home. Right. Because, like, for all we know, Hector could have been gathering evidence. Clovis found it. No, you know what? The letter is a letter of resignation. So he... That's, that's right. Oh. So he sent the letter of resignation, and then I think he... Yeah. I'm trying to remember. There was there was a there was a point where I think he mentioned like either he he was going to turn something in or he was he was advising that you know basically yeah, he says to describe what I've witnessed would be a gratuitous exercise in horror, but I fear without clear circumstantial accounts there will be no action. That's when he goes into like one of the examples and then he ends it with this is one case of hundreds past dictators have committed blank in that pale in comparison and this was never anything more than a quest for his own ego and blank okay so yeah this was this was a letter that was internal so this was his resignation but it the implication is basically you're 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 transgressing on human rights is this is you know beyond legal means which is when you when you tie the cult feeling into the argument of skip the ethics lecture and tell me comment. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Man, this is just this is such a dark hole. Like this is Clovis Bray just leads to darkness in more than one way of yeah. meaning that like yes it leads to darkness but also the darkness of like i think this i know for a lot of the times the golden age was pointed to being like a utopia and in a lot of ways it was like the the pacific arcology you know the adv- advances of ishtar you know there was a lot of stuff that was good you know the the the, the curing yeah. of diseases and stuff like that but <laughs> As with everything humanity does, there's a darker side to things. And I think this is kind of pointing to the darker side of progress because everyone's so focused on, oh, hey, look, we can become immortal. It's like, yeah, but what did that take? Like, what did that progress require? Yeah, I I think Dancing Vero in chat says it best. The less transparency there is, the more utopian things look on paper. Mm-hmm. When you don't look beneath the surface, as long as you don't scratch it too hard, yeah, it's a really it's a really pretty picture. What are you talking about? It's gold. Oh, don't God. scratch it. 
That's not a that's not an exotic engram. That's a common. <laughs> oh god. Uh, Raul. Even then he had a sense of humor about giving us burnt edges. Yeah. <laughs> did you do it? We acquired immortality. What did it cost? Everything. <laughs> Actually, I do want to say that I like Veru's perspective here is I like he says, I like to see the golden age as a house of cards that collapsed, like playing off, you know, playing off the concept of collapse. But also, I think that is I think that is a really good way of seeing the progress that the golden age represented. It's it was a it was a palace that was very fragile because it was a gift that was given and as with a lot of things if you misuse it 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 breaks itself you know it was one of those things um and i think that when you start you know like you were saying when you start scratching the surface like even here in this book you start seeing things that are that are much darker than you you initially thought i think would be the easiest way but i don't i don't know that's yeah. that's just my initial thoughts no like that's that's a fair thing to say because i mean i initially read the book and i was like oh okay yeah you know the worst thing that happens is they fight you know the two dads fight analyzing it the way we have i'm gonna need some antidepressants (laughs) yay cults (laughs) it's Oh. Orchid, what about you? Did I ruin your dream analysis? No, I don't think so. I mean, the book is looking at it the way you did. You made it super depressing. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> cool. I try. I liked mine way better. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that being said, I think that it's good to remember that my interpretation is just you know, it's just my interpretation. It's it's just as valid as yours or elements. Like I don't right. that's my opinion on it. Yeah. As with a lot of things in reality, we are only seeing very fine slices of these different stories. So it could be completely innocent and I hope that everything turns out great and happy for Micah and it doesn't. <laughs> well, no, like it doesn't in the first life, but it does in her second life. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, third life. I mean, eleventh life. Twelve. Oh gosh, yeah. Because how many? It would be eleven. It would be eleven. That would be eleven. Because yeah. she was Micah ten when she dies. Oh, and then right, she's right, right. Resurrected. Because because Micah one would end up being Micah two. The f- First exo. Mm-hmm. Yes. So her twelfth life. Twelfth life. Yes. My brain hurts. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Very confusing. Either way. In short, Orchid's response is thanks. I hate it. Yeah. I think she's still mad at us about the sabotaging. It comes across as an innocent book, but going by what the theme of the entire season is, which is, oh my God, Bungie, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Do you, 
do you need to talk about do this? You, like, we need to send somebody to all of your houses to check on you. Because that is the theme of this season. It's the, you've been locked in your homes too long. Oh my god. Yeah! <laughs> Veru says that this book also gives an idea of why Kate is the way he is. You know, I think he knew he might look terrifying to Ace, so he overcompensates with humor. And, you know, that's where you get the this deep dive into yeah. Gallo's humor. Uh, you know, we always we always looked at Cade as having Gallo's humor to to be a way of kind of coping with the trauma that he has gone through, which could definitely be part of it. But I also see that being a case, too, is that that's his way of connecting with others is he sees that the fear that he causes as an exo. He tries to make himself more approachable that way. Yeah. Black Flag's accurate summary of Orchid. <laughs> Thanks. I won't play it. It's not that I won't play it. It's that I didn't know it was there. That's, you know, that's slightly fair. Because actually the sabotage missions are kind of hit. And if you don't go to Varric's a lot i don't want his weird chattering asmr stuff but how else are you going to get to listen to him sing he has such a beautiful singing voice no he what he he sings savathun's song does he yep and then he talks about how it was the song of the the whirlwind (gasps) what and on that note shout out time (laughs) elemis what you got for us Shout out to antidepressants. <laughs> um, You're welcome. Right. Elmas did not know he was right. getting into a conversation about exophied penguins or childhood like that was trauma. The, that was one of the worst of it. That was some of the worst of it. Like, what? I'm just glad. I'm just glad that someone was as broken as Green was when we presented this theory to her. Like, I understand it. I'm behind it. But no! (laughs) Orchid, what about you? Fury would chat is saying, I can't wait for the next Guardians of War session with Elmas now knowing about Orchid's Destiny Endgame content. Which I- oh yeah, that's definitely going in our, our This Week at Guardians of Lore. This week at Guardians of Lore, Orchid doesn't know how to play Destiny. She only plays PvP. Everyone knows this. Like, this isn't new. I'm going to give a shout out to Veru for keeping me like constantly entertained during chats. Thanks, Veru. <laughs> hey, I'm going to shout out um, Dead Man because he's just here to troll me. He's one of my Australians. Hi, sweetie. He takes me through oh. game content. He's one of the ones that. We have stuff to tell you. <laughs> you have stuff to tell me you. get. <laughs> Conquer. 
Oh, dead man, do we have stuff to tell you? <laughs> so before we tell Deadman that, I'm gonna let everyone on the podcast go. <laughs> Say thank you for your time. Till next time, remember with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. <laughs> With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire, and may your light shine bright. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.